thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. So we've been doing a series in, um, on the names of God, the titles of God, a.k.a. God, the character of God, the things he's called, and we carry that on today. What have been the others? Come on, it's good to remind ourselves what have been the others. El Shaddai was last week, which means... God Almighty. What else? Elohim, which means creator. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace. No, sorry, it's a song. <laughs> Jehovah Jireh, my provider, and the fourth one. Is there a fourth one? It's today, isn't it? <laughs> Just testing, see if you're listening. Okay, today we look at the name Adonai, and we're going to be looking at a passage in Judges chapter 6. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to it ready. If you haven't, it'll be up on the screen. But uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about locusts. Anyone thought about locusts much? No? In this country, we don't, do we? This country, we do not have a real locust problem at all, unless you run out of food for your reptiles that you're feeding. Locusts are an insect that are probably about that big. They're quite small, really. They're very, very, very small. But actually, it causes total devastation. Not just one, but a swarm of them. And a swarm of locusts can be as big as 108 football pitches. Okay? A swarm of locusts can be that big. I think it's about 480 square miles. And locusts affect the economic life of a tenth of the world's population. That's a, that's a lot of people. A tenth of the world's population are impacted by locusts. They ravage whole fields of their crops and make their fields unfruitful, not able to bear, and they destroy lives and families. And right now as I talk about locusts, a lot of you can't get bugs life out of your head. Okay, because they come and they steal what the ants have worked so hard for. The locusts come and they destroy. They steal, they kill and destroy. And today we're going to look at another name of God, which initially we might struggle to handle. Because the name is Adonai, which literally translated means master. And it's associated with ownership. It's actually literal translation is Lord of all, master of all. And we don't like to think about being owned because it reminds us of, of something that isn't so great. But we're going to look at the beginning of the story of Gideon to illustrate what it means to us. So let's read the first 10 verses of our passage today. Judges chapter 6 verses 1 to 10 say this, the Israelites, that's God's people, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. They hid. 
Because these Midianites were scary, they were oppressive, they hid. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. And they did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land. Why? To ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you, and I gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. I'm going to stop there. I've told you what to do, but you've not listened to me. That's the message here. And the Bible describes this enemy of God's people. Just let's bear in mind that God's people are in the land they were promised. They are in that place that was promised. They've been saved. They've been rescued. They've been set free. And yet they're hiding in caves and on mountains. They're building shelters to get away from this enemy that instead of staying out is coming in. And it's because... They have not listened to God. The Bible describes the Midianites as a thorn in their side, as a swarm of locusts. This people that destroy and ravage, they take everything that's been worked so hard for. They come to steal, kill and destroy, to ravage God's land and to leave them with nothing. And how long has it been happening for in this story? Seven years. This isn't like a week thing. This is seven years. Seven years of trying to live in the promises of God, but actually being too scared to do so and hiding. Why? Because they didn't listen to God. And God sends them a message. I don't know how many of you do jigsaws. Anyone do jigsaws? Yeah, okay, Shirley, Barbara. Some of you are too embarrassed and ashamed. It's okay. It's okay to do jigsaws. Okay, they're quite good fun. Knitting, Ooh, not sure about that. Jigsaws, fine. No, right, knitting's fine as well, okay. Jigsaws, yeah, it's, it's quite a, a thing to do a jigsaw, isn't it? You know, not, I'm not talking about the 10-piece postman pat ones that you can do easy, Bobby, okay? I'm talking about the, you know, the 1,000 little tiny pieces where all the colour is the same and it's really hard to find the pieces. Can you imagine that you've started a jigsaw? I want you to imagine that you've started a really complicated jigsaw. You've got all the edges organised, you've sorted the pieces into shades and colours. Are you imagining this? Shirley's getting excited, she's smiling. You've got all the edges, all the pieces, all the bits in the middle, and you start to put it together, and it starts to take shape. Yeah? You with me so far? You excited about this? You excited? Yeah? Okay, you're excited because you're building this jigsaw, and then someone comes with a toddler into your house. Okay, you're not quite so excited now, are you? In your mind, you're thinking, I need one of those jigsaw rolls or tables. I can just close it away and hide it from everybody. But no, no, no. Here comes the toddler. <laughs> can you imagine? How upset would you feel, Barbara, if that happened? A little bit upset. Okay? 
all because of a jigsaw. Can you imagine? I'm asking you to picture how upset you'd be if that happened. You've spent ages planning it and preparing it and putting it together when all of a sudden this force, this whirlwind comes in and basically obliterates your hard work. You'd be pretty upset, wouldn't you? That's a jigsaw. <laughs> the grand scheme of things, I'm sorry, it's not that important. You can pick up the pieces and go again. And even annoyed is if you lose a piece. But we're talking here of the Israelites having everything they've planted to survive, having everything they've planted to eat, having everything they've done to get on in life being wiped out. It's a little bit more than upset. It's a little bit more than frustration. And this has gone on for seven years, constantly. If you're not into jigsaws, imagine playing Jenga and you've built a really good tower and someone comes in and stamps the foot. Same sort of feeling. Multiply it by about a billion and you might feel how the Israelites are feeling. Plant your crops, prepare the harvest, and the next thing you know, a huge group come in and obliterate what you've done. Frustrating, doesn't say it. You've been promised a land flowing with milk and honey. This is not just your hobby, this is your life and your welfare. And the enemy comes in and causes chaos because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah? The enemy of us today isn't the Midianites. It's sin. It's the stuff that just gets in the way of us and God. The enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy is bigger than a toddler in a jigsaw. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything about you. And God in this time sent a person to go and say, you need to start listening to God. Today, I think God's message is the same. You need to start listening to me. You need to hear me. You need to do those things that I know are going to get you back to me. The enemy of us today is sin. It comes to ravage our lives. It comes to distract us from the God who is good. It comes to steal the promises that we're standing on. It comes to make us hide in fear. God says, no, don't be afraid, I'm with you. God says, don't be afraid, I'm with you, because God comes to set free. God's messenger comes and says, remember Egypt when you were oppressed, when you were bullied, when you were beaten down, when you were just treated horrendously. We got rid of all that. I set you free. Yet so often, we invite the enemy in. The Israelites weren't inviting the Midianites in. They weren't saying, come on down, take what you want. And yet so often, how much do we invite in the problem? How much do we invite the enemy to sit at our table? How often do we invite the thing that's going to take everything away to live life daily with us? For each one of us, it can be a different thing. It can be something different, but the root name is sin. It's the stuff that gets between us and God. It's when we miss what God intended. So often we need to, we, we invite the enemy to sit at our table, to take up place in our hearts. This morning, God says we need to stop. We need to stop. Why? Because God wants to rescue us. He wants to set us free. Why were these Midianites able to oppress God's people? Because God's people had become disobedient. Because they'd stopped doing what they should have done. They'd allowed sin to sit at their table. The one who created them, the Elohim. The one who'd provided for them, Jireh. The one who had already overcome their enemies, El Shaddai. 
they turn their back on. Verse 10, but you have not listened to me. Are you ignoring God this morning? Are we ignoring God this morning? Do we know the things that he says? Do you know, Johnny, that's not great. But do we turn a blind eye and go, do you know what, God? My way, not yours. Who watched Princess Bride this week? <laughs> Put your hand up. You've joined the club now, that's good. Yeah, my wage. Okay, that's the best bit of it, isn't it, Jeff? Yeah? Jeff was texting me saying, thanks to you, I'm spending my evening watching this film. And I'm like, oh no, this is what I dreaded. It's a great family film. Might have aged a bit. It's all right. Did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy it, uh, Naomi? It was okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a classic. I can't, it's not me that says it's a classic. It, the society says it's a classic. But then they say also the English patient won Oscars and that's awful. Don't ever watch it. But anyway, sorry if you're a fan. Are we ignoring God this morning? Maybe last week you only heard the Princess Bride, let's go and watch it. But the message last week was, as you wish, your will be done, not mine. As you wish, I love you. Your will, your will. Are we hearing what God's saying to us as we come to church? Are we hearing the warnings as well as the blessings? Are we hearing the things that are saying, take things away, move things out of our life? Or are we prepared for oppression and devastating locusts that will steal, kill, and destroy if we're not careful? Yeah? In this situation, what does God do? He doesn't leave them on their own. He doesn't stop talking. He doesn't leave them be. He sends a messenger to say, come on, come back. Come back to me. And he sends people to help and point them back to what was best. Judges 6 verse 9 reminds them, it says, I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and I gave you their land. Remember what I've already done. Remember the promise. Remember what's already happened. Remember where you are and remember who I am is what God says. Remember. Stop hiding. Start obeying. Stop living in fear. Start doing what I'm asking. Let's carry on with the rest of the passage because then comes a specific word from God to one man who is hiding, sheltering in fear. Judges 6 verses 11 to 15. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. <laughs> Sense of humor, God. This guy's hiding, trying to keep things to himself. And what does God say? You're a mighty warrior. Carry on. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, very polite. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Why, why, why? Is that a question we're asking? Why has this happened? Why are we here? Gideon says the same thing when God comes to me, says, if you're with us, then why? If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I 
I'm the least in my family. I love Gideon's politeness. Pardon me, my Lord. <laughs> but also he says, I'm the weakest and I'm the least. I'm in the smallest family and tribe and I'm the lowest person there. You don't want me, God. I'm totally unimportant. I'm totally insignificant and I'm really not who you say I am. What's Gideon doing? He's hiding away from the struggle. He's burying his head from the struggle. He's isolating himself from everybody else. He's on his own, hiding in fear. And he's taking himself away from everybody that he knows. He's scared, he's fearful and afraid and looking more like a coward. But then God, the creator, the overcomer, the provider, comes in and says, I am with you, mighty warrior. You don't need to hide because I'm telling you now, you're mighty. Why? Because I'm with you. That's the reason. He's not just a mighty warrior. He's a mighty warrior because God is with him. That's the message we need to hear. Mighty warrior because God is with him. Yes, on the surface he's hiding and cowardly, but God says stop hiding because you are a mighty warrior. You are strong. The truth of God is true despite how we feel. The truth of God is true no matter what our circumstances. The truth of God is true no matter what your situation that's what this tells us about God. He says to Gideon, who's fearful and hiding and keeping things to himself, isolating himself from everything, you're a mighty warrior. God is saying things to you today and saying, you're not who the world is telling you you are. You're not useless. You're not a waste of space. You're not on your own. You're not going to fail. You're not a constant failure. You're not a letdown. You're not a disappointment. You are loved. You are precious. You are mighty. Why? Because I'm with you. It's by association that we're strong. Gideon's on his own. He feels weak. Why? Because he's isolating himself. He's afraid. Yet his focus should have been with God. If God is with us, then why? Maybe you've asked that question. If God is with us, then why? That's what Gideon says. If you're with us, then why is all this happening? I love the Bible. It's pretty honest. It doesn't paint a picture of everything being perfect and everything being rosy. It says, if God is with us, then why is this happening? Ian Salter has just had the best holiday ever, haven't you, Ian? You've just had an amazing time. You know, he's lived the life of Riley in hotels overseas. You know, who would love to spend all 12 weeks in a hotel? Anyone? Yeah. A few people are putting their hands up, you know. I don't think you'd want to spend it where Ian did, in fairness. It was hard, wasn't it? So Ian could have been, you know, 12 weeks... God is with me, then why? Why does this keep happening? The Israelites have been going through this for seven years. Seven years. If God is with us, then why? Many of us may ask the same question. Why are these locust-like people kept being allowed to kill and destroy? I don't know what your why is today, but God isn't afraid of your why. He's not afraid to answer it. The other thing that Gideon says is, where? Where are all the wonders that have happened before? Where's all the miracles that we've heard about? Where's all that stuff? Where's the promise coming through? We've been abandoned and handed over. I don't know what your where is today. Where's the answer to my prayer, God? Where's, where's this going on? I don't know what your where and your why is, but I do know that God is true throughout it all. 
And actually, when I look at the Bible, it tells me to keep trusting him. Not to hide and be fearful. Not to isolate myself from everything else around me, but to get with God. Every opportunity I can get. Because he's with me. Every opportunity he gets. And what does Gideon respond with? He responds with, pardon me, Lord. And we come to the name of God, finally. (laughs) Pardon me, Lord. It's Lord with a little L, you notice. When it says Lord with a capital L, that is Yahweh. That's the name that says I am, that Moses was introduced to. I am God. The God that was yesterday, today, forever. Here, he says, pardon me, Lord, with a little L. That word is Adonai. What does Adonai mean? It means master. It literally means owner of servant. That's where we struggle. All sorts of connotations, isn't there? And I can see Bobby Joe smiling at me as if to say, yeah, I don't like that. Don't like that one, not one bit. I'll turn it around in a minute, honest. But it is important right now as we hear that name, Adonai, master, owner, that we recognise the other bits of this passage. The difference between the Egyptian slave owners, for example, and the master who is Lord of all. The Egyptian slave owners oppressed, beaten, treated horrendously. This version of master had to treat his servants well. He had to provide for them. He provided so they were never without. He had to give them security and safety. He had to protect them. It wasn't a bad place to be, especially if you were in a debt situation. You could repay your debt by service, and actually you would be well looked after. You would be cared for. You would be provided for. You would be loved. That's the difference. And we'll come to another one that might help us to understand even better in a moment. And it's a better film than The Princess Bride. promise. Although I like it. So in Egypt, the Israelites were trapped. They were trapped. They were slaves of the Egyptians. You might think today that you are free. If you are in Christ, the Bible tells us we are. The truth will set you free. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But if you're living in the world away from God right now, you might be trapped in addiction. You might be trapped in debt. You might be a slave to pornography. You might be all sorts of things. In fact, thinking about that, I read a, an article online today, or last night, sorry. It says this. There was a young man who got involved in the pornography industry, was earning over a million dollars. To some people... That's amazing. The news article was saying that more and more people are considering stepping into the adult entertainment world because they can make more money by doing that. might seem attractive. The world makes things look attractive, but actually you become a slave. This man says this in the article. He says more must be done to communicate the damaging impacts of pornography, both for those in the industry and those viewing the content. After making over a million dollars in the industry, traveling the world and many empty, intimate encounters, I realized that none of the things that society paints as success brings true happiness. He was a slave. I felt empty, used up, and worthless. I discovered that peace is not found in these things. 
He added, it led to me isolating myself to the point where I went an entire year without hearing my real name. This sounds like the Israelites. They'd stopped focusing on God. Gideon says, I'm weak, I'm useless. But God says, no, you're mighty. Why? Because I'm with you. Maybe we stopped hearing what God says about us. Maybe we stopped listening to that name that he's given, that is precious, beloved, wonderfully made, fearfully and wonderfully made. This man goes on to say, while on the outside looking in, I had made all this money, fame, and was on the cover of magazines. When I lay my head on the pillow, I felt sad and empty and alone, which caused me to have thoughts of harming myself. That man is now the pastor of a church. Why? Because he was set free. He was set free to be owned by the master. Yeah? He was a slave. You might think, oh, it sounds more like being a servant is the same, but actually, no, the master has to protect, the master has to care for, the master has to provide. The word Adon from Adonai was used to talk about Lord when it refers to a human person, a master, yeah? God is referred to as Adonai. That's a plural word, which goes back to the Trinity again, like creator, yeah? Are you with me? Some complicated stuff here, I know, this morning. Bear with me. But Adonai didn't just mean Lord, it meant supreme Lord. It meant master of all. It meant owner of all. Gideon feels weak and cowardly. God says, no, you're a mighty warrior. Gideon thinks he can't possibly do much. God says, go in the strength you have. And you might sit there today and go, well, Johnny, I haven't got much strength. If God says to you today, go in the strength you have, what does that mean? God clarifies it next because he says, because I'm sending you. It's me that's sending you. Go in the strength you have means you've got the strength of God on your side. You've got the strength of Adonai, the owner, the master, the one who is with you, who creates you. I am reminded of my age every week when I play football with lads who are 20 and 30. Still don't do too badly, I don't think, but I am reminded that I am not 21 anymore. I'm reminded the next morning that I'm not 21 anymore because I ache and I'm painful. I compare myself with these young, fit athletes. <laughs> okay, these young people. <laughs> these younger men and occasionally women that come. Nine o'clock till 10 o'clock at Alfred Barrett. Oh, Academy, Alfred Barrett, where have I got that one from? I don't know, the Academy. I compare myself with these young lads running around and think, I should just hang up my boots. I actually start to think, oh, that fit athlete at the Euros collapsed and nearly died. Perhaps, perhaps that's going to be me. Or then I think, oh, Harvey Elliott dislocated his ankle and is out for ages. Perhaps that's going to be me. And I start to get fearful because I think of what could happen. Is that us with God? Do we start to think about what could happen rather than saying, God, as you wish? God, as you wish. God, your will be done. Should I just pack up my boots because that's the strength I have? No, because God is sending us. Am I not sending you? And who is God that's sending him? He's the creator. He's the provider. He's the overcomer. He's the God of the mountains. He is the I am yesterday, today, tomorrow. And he is the master. He knows what he's talking about. He's behind us. He's with us. He's already gone before to provide a way. And Gideon sees this in incredible ways. And I'm coming to the end, honest. In Greek, the word is kurios, 
which means supreme power and authority. Go with supreme power and authority is what God is saying. Absolute ownership. I've got to remind us of a Toy Story moment. Toy Story is better than The Princess Bride, okay? All of the toys, and I think I've used this before, had the name Andy written on their shoe or their self somewhere, yeah? What was that mark a mark of? It was a mark of ownership. Were those toys loved? Yeah. Were they cared for? Yeah. Were they provided for? Yeah. Were they looked after? Yeah. When they went missing, were they searched for? Yes. That's the ownership of God. His name can be written not just on your shoe, but on your heart. And he says, I love you, I care for you, I provide for you, I'll protect you. I will make sure that if you go missing, I'm coming after you. That's the ownership of God. That is the Adonai, the master. They knew they were precious and they knew they belonged. Do you know you belong today? You're here because you belong. Not just to Spring Mount, but if you say to Jesus, I'm yours, then you belong to a big family. You belong to a big family. We know that Jesus is saviour. And that name is used about 20 times in the New Testament, saviour. But this curious word, this curious word that means master, that means Lord of all, is used nearly 300 times of Jesus, of Jesus. John chapter 20, verses 11 to 18. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. It's all gone wrong. Jesus has died, he's been buried, it's all gone pear-shaped. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked a woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realise it was Jesus. He asked a woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene, this woman who'd been a prostitute, who'd lived a life of horrendous situations, went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. Adonai, I have seen the master. I have seen the Lord of all, the one who I belong to. And she told them that he'd said these things to her. Mary thinks she's lost everything, but this time evil hasn't won. Why? Because Jesus beat death. And he did it for you, he did it for me. She's in a grief-filled situation. She's forgotten the promises of Jesus. And she doesn't even recognize Jesus in her midst because of her circumstances. Today, as we finish, do you know God in your circumstance? Or are you isolating yourself? Are you hiding? Are you fearful? But then Jesus calls her name. He calls her name, Mary. He calls her name. And she says, I've seen the Lord of all. Do you know the master? Or have we been with the locusts for too long? Have we invited the locusts in to our table? Have we invited them in to swarm all over our life and steal and destroy? Today, God can say no more. 
God can remove the plague of sin in our lives. God can remove the swarm. Joel 2 is a promise to the Israelites of the master's provision. It says this, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. The great locust and the young locust, the other locusts and the locust swarm. My great army that I sent among you. We started by talking about locusts. Small, maybe insignificant, but massively destructive. Are we letting the little locusts in? Are we letting the big ones in? God says, I can deal with them all. I can deal with them all and I can give you back what's been stolen. Mary Magdalene was a, an outcast and yet she was the one who delivered the first gospel message, I have seen the Lord. She was the one who said he's risen. She was the one who said he's there. You know, God can deal with any enemy, especially the enemy that comes to steal, kill and destroy. And he's already paid the price to own us and love us and protect us and care for us to buy us back from oppression of sin and death. The enemy wants to write his name on your foot today. But God says, I'll write my name on your heart. Just come. Just come. Today, God is saying your name. And he's saying, will you let me be your master? It's about submission. It's about giving over the things that aren't any good to be owned by the one that is very good who is Lord of all. Today he's saying your name. Today he says, go in the strength that you have because I am with you. And today he says, you are mine and I am yours if you'll just let me be your Adonai, be your master. Let's pray. Just invite the band up to start. Father God, in this place, we recognise that we, we often go against your way. And Father, we see in this story the disobedience caused chaos. And so often in our lives, we let the little locusts and the big locusts come in to devour and to steal and to kill and destroy. So Father God, this morning, may we know you as the one who is our master, who is Lord of all the one who is the best that we could have. And Father God, I pray for anyone in this room who maybe has just stopped standing on your promise. This, this story of Gideon, these people for seven years were tormented and yet they were in the promised land. They were in the place where you said was going to be good. Father God, you want to put us in places for your glory. And Father God, you say it's your strength that will enable us to stand. So I pray for anyone this morning who feels like isolating themselves. I pray for anyone this morning who's burying their head from the problems that, that they've allowed in. And Father God, I pray that in this place they will hand them to you and say, no more, I need the one who sets me free. That is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Father, I pray this morning that we will know you as our Adonai, as our Lord of all, that we will be able to say willingly, I submit to you because you will do everything that I need, not always everything that I want, 
And Father, I pray for your will to be done in our lives. In Jesus' name.